Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. Inside the Indian Wells Tennis Garden for the first serve this week in the Californian Desert. Great to have you with us. Uh, Brett Phillips in the chair. Over the past week, if you're following us on our social media channels, we've extensively covered the biggest men's women's tournament outside the majors here in Tennis Paradise, as they refer to it. So if you want to feel the inside of the tournament, consume us on social media. My good friend when I venture here to Indian Wells is Miguel Farfin, Tennis connoisseur who's here thanks to tennis direct australia's favorite online tennis store fast delivery great prices free delivery on orders over 150 dollars go to their website tennisdirect.com.au punch in their code first serve one zero and they'll look after you great to see you we spent a couple of days watching the tennis the big story from the aussies the first week has been dasher and the americans love daria Seville. we got to watch her yesterday and this great run from qualifying now into round three versus Elise Mertens. Yeah, um, thank you for having me, Brett. Yeah, Dasha, she's very entertaining, definitely gets money's worth. Uh, we're watching her courtside and just very entertaining the way she competes um, and she just has a spunk about her. She does. How much further do you think she can go? I mean, you know, with the way she's playing, who knows? You know, the women's draw is wide open, so, you know, who knows? We were just watching Demonor and Millman. I know you're a fan of uh, Alex. It's hard not to be a fan of both. I mean, the Aussies put on a pretty good show. There were some pretty <laughs> intoxicating rallies in that match. Yeah, it was really fun to watch. Again, um, the Aussies are really entertaining. Definitely get your money's worth as a fan. Um, it was just uh, really fun watching both of them compete. And, you know, I'm glad that Alex uh, got through a big fan of his what do you like about him in particular um i think he works really hard for all the points and no matter what the circumstances are you know he's going to be competing hard so as a fan i love that and we've just seen the kokonakis curios show come to a close full house on stadium two losing to soccer nizna 6376 but the americans do love or well, curios as you guys say it <laughs> and kokonakis i just love the accents but these two sort of have captured the hearts of the americans as well as the aussies back in january yeah it's uh you know we we were watching some of that match and it was jam-packed obviously they were playing Americans but again they just put on a really good show it was really fun to watch really fun points and yeah as an American here in the crowd we all love curios <laughs> and just a quick word on this place Indian Wells you've been coming here for a long time you've lived in Phoenix you now live in San Diego this really is tennis paradise. Yeah, it really is. It's a beautiful place, beautiful venue. And as you walk around, it really does feel like a tennis garden. Flowers everywhere, palm tree. It's beautiful. It certainly is. Hey, we'll do it again, I'm sure, in the future. Miguel Favan, he is with me for a couple of days watching the tennis. Coming up on the B-Solar menu, we've got an extended chat with Australian tennis legend Mark Woodford. The ITF side about the revamped Davis Cup and Paul Kildare from Tennis Australia on the ground here with the players. It's a nice little segue being here in the US to tell you about our new podcast offering, Play USA, episode one dropping over the weekend, hosted by former Australian collegiate player Lachlan Puel, diving deep inside the journey of many Aussies going 
again the college pathway is the entry point into professional tennis so you can find it at thefirstserve.com.au or subscribe to the first serve all thanks to AATC Australasian Academy of Tennis Coaches providing quality coach education across the globe courses delivered by industry leaders and tennis business owners learn locally coach globally internationally endorsed inquire and enrol at aatc.tennis so we'll get an early breakaway and our extended chat with Mark Woodford coming up here next from Indian Wells Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Brett Phillips coming to you from the Indian Wells Tennis Garden, home of the BMP Parry Bar Open, the biggest tournament outside of the Grand Slams, men's and women's combined. You can follow all the action daily through our social channels at the first serve Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as we track the Aussies and take you behind the scenes. One thing I wanted to sit down and do whilst here at Indian Wells was catch up with Australian tennis legend Mark Woodford, who resides in this part of the world, and discuss the Davis Cup. What a career on court for Mark. Four career singles titles, a semi-final at the Australian Open 1996, a highest ranking of 19, 67 career men's doubles titles, 12 of those coming at Grand Slam level, world number one doubles player 1992, gold medalist Atlanta 1996 in doubles and a twice winner of the ATP Tour Finals. His success with Todd Woodbridge will never be forgotten. The Woodies were formidable, instrumental in our Davis Cup win of 1999 on away soil in Nice against France. Well, Mark now sits on the International Tennis Federation board and a big part of his portfolio is the Davis Cup, which has been significantly revamped in the last three years. The oldest team competition in sport launched in 1900. We all love the Davis Cup in Australia. The changes haven't necessarily won the hearts of us Aussie tennis fans who have loved Davis Cup and loved it in its traditional format. Best of five, home and away ties the whole year through, the guarantee of a full house at all times, whether it's 15, 20,000 in your corner or against you playing away. Tennis Australia and its current captain, Leighton Hewitt, were vehemently against the changes. Mark and I sat down a couple of days ago to hear from the ITF side, who three years ago did a significant financial deal with the Cosmos Group to revamp the Davis Cup. We started off chatting about Mark's memories as a player playing Davis Cup. Those dreams, you know, of, of playing for your country um, and, and wearing country's colours was was there very early on. I mean, the our history, Australian history connected with Davis Cup, watching, you know, some fantastic matches that were played in Australia. And then you'd read about those matches that were played away in some of the finals and certainly dreamt of being able to play singles or, or doubles. And like anything, there's a process. I mean, I ended up being a an orange boy my, my first time round. And, and then to just move through into getting into the team, I didn't get a chance to play. And then getting the gig to play singles and, and ultimately doubles, it was a something that I desired. And I think, you know, the guys that I grew up with 
it was it was high on that priority list. It shouldn't have even be a priority list because it was just a given that you could have a career by representing Australia. You might not have had the same success on the tour, but you could have great success by representing your country. Ranking, you know, kind of went out the window, but it was a, a huge goal because of the, the passion and the emotions that were involved with, you know, playing for your country. So I was excited to have those opportunities and and that's why I'm involved with the Davis Cup competition now and with the ITF working on you know keeping the competition alive. So did you think when you were playing that it was right up there as sort of the pinnacle alongside the Grand Slams because it shared that sort of best of five format you had crowds that you wouldn't probably get at tour events at that parochial nature that almost like a football soccer type crowd at Davis Cup ties you know which is different to even you know Masters 1000s the crowds are great here at Indian Wells but a totally different feel so did you did you have it right up there alongside the slams in terms of of real significance I think as soon as I sat down and tried to to, to map out a schedule for the year at the back end of one season pairing for the first part of the next year always slotted in the slams but you also tried to put in the Davis Cup weeks and in those times the the Davis Cup format was was different there was that opportunity of actually playing four times a year they generally you you know were located those weeks after the Grand Slam so you know you penciled in those weeks and of course, you didn't know what was going to happen in maybe in the back end of a season because it really depended on how the team fared in that first round or, or even second round. But it was always penciled in along with the slams and maybe a couple of other prioritised tournaments. But uh, Davis Cup was always a part of the schedule. Australia behind the US, the second most amount of titles, 28 runner-up, 19 times. So obviously there's such a, a rich history and we know Australia has just a rich history in tennis full stop. We're coming at this from an Australian angle. So there's obviously a lot of passion in Australia at the moment and this is what I'm probably closest to and I've even had my own say, Mark, on radio because of the, the change to the Davis Cup and you've had many discussions with people in Australian tennis and you are a proud Australian but you're wearing a bigger hat now with the ITF and we want to get the ITF's explanation of it all but can you sort of understand the passion of the Australians in not necessarily adapting to the changes that the ITF has made there's just not going to be as much Davis Cup tennis come to Australia I mean you always would hear the Federation talk about these ties are so important to you know encourage kids to play tennis and it was a chance for the Aussies to come back and play at home which they rarely do so I want to talk about that angle first before we dive into the ITF side and the reasons that you've gone down the track that you have the last three years. You know, maybe a starting point is, you know, back in 2012, um, you know, the ITF underwent a a review on the Davis Cup competition. That was before, you know, the time that I was uh, helping out, working with the ITF. They review, like any association, corporation, company, a review is necessary. I think they were aware that Davis Cup, over a period of time, was starting to... The ATP Tour has prospered as the WTA Tour has as well. Prospered in the fact financially, more tournaments have, have come onto the schedule. Scheduling was always very difficult. You know, I think for, for us, because we do have such a strong association with team competitions, team sports, no matter what it is back home, but in particular with Davis Cup, and it is important that it does stir a lot of emotion up. That is part of you know the Davis Cup atmosphere, along with home and away, playing in Australia and what it generates when you're playing away it calls upon your physical side as well as the the mental side and I think there's 
You, you know, I look back so fondly at winning the one time in 99. You know, maybe I, I might not have tasted that victory if I hadn't have tasted defeat in, in 93. It was a really awful moment in 2000. That was, for me, my last match playing ever professionally. I wanted it to be for Australia, but it just it wasn't to be. But, you know, those are the stories that are, are seared in my, in my heart and my memory that, you know, to be able to chat about. Um, and I, I chat about it fondly. The Davis Cup competition for other countries is not held as highly in regard because of certain issues, whether they're financial issues for some federations, whether it's scheduling for their players. And that's why the ITF underwent a review. You have to remember that there are you know, 200 plus countries that belong to the ITF. There are 140 nations that participate in Davis Cup every year. It is a global competition. It starts at the beginning of the year and it ends with the final event of the season after the ATP finals. And with all of the prosperity of the tour, as well as the Grand Slams, it, you know, it makes it difficult. I even found it difficult at the back end of my career. Whilst I was penciling in that I wanted to play for uh, Davis Cup, it was difficult because of the success that I was experiencing personally and as part of the Woodies. We were running very deep into these Grand Slams. Generally, you know, they're right to the the very end. To then have to, you know, get on a plane and, and fly, you know, great distances, you know, whether it was back to Australia, could have been away, but it, it just would take its toll. You know, something had to change. And hence the review, I think, from the ITF, which Tennis Australia were a part of that review. The president sits at the ITF. Um, they were a part of that review. Really went down the path of how do we keep the competition relevant? How do we, you know, a lot of these competitions, tournaments as well, the success that they endure or enjoy is with the participation of marquee players, the top players. And Davis Cup also enjoys or desires to have the top players from all countries competing for their respective country. And that just started to dwindle. The care factor for, for some marquee players, they weren't turning up year after year. They'd maybe taste that experience once, and if they had the victory, then they were like, OK, eh, maybe not back on my schedule again. Davis Cup started to ail and, you know, maybe towards failing. I didn't want to see that happen. Don't think the ITF wanted to see that happen. There was a, a move by a past Australian Davis Cup captain, as well as an American Davis Cup captain, along with the president and the, the CEO that went and visited the, the ITF with the idea the competition had to change. The president of the ITF at that time didn't think that it was necessary, but the competition that we see now that is in place resembles what was being tabled at the time. I don't have that specific year that it was um, presented, um, but it was knocked back. Now we're at a stage where it was a very difficult sell. Two sponsors. And remember the ITF, they have to feed a lot of those nations, 140 that play, the 200 that also are under that umbrella they rely upon the proceeds of Davis Cup and all these other events under the ITF umbrella to actually keep themselves going. They don't have the luxury of one of the four slams where they have this income that they can rely upon. They really do desire the the handouts from the ITF to keep them going, to keep their grassroots programs. The ITF, they're 90% of their proceeds go back into the federations so that they can continue 
whether it's a grassroots program, whether it's running professional tournaments at, at any level, getting rackets in hands of, of uh, you know, just social players. When the change, when it was tabled uh, of making changes, everyone was consulted, every nation, players were consulted. Unfortunately, I know Tennis Australia was not one of those that supported the change, which to me is a bit of a head-scratcher when they were a part of that drive to actually make some changes to Davis Cup. Can't satisfy everyone, unfortunately. Kind of hope that, you know, as, because Davis Cup is close to Australia's emotions and, and heart, that by at least tasting what this new format is about, Australia still has a great chance of becoming Davis Cup champions. But they mightn't be able to play that on home soil. Well, there's a, there's a misnomer there. Um, you know, I think that's part of the messaging um, that for me is misinformation. Davis Cup is about home and away. That, that is a key part of it. It's not the only part, but we have actually kept home and away in place for the first round. I think there was a messaging um, that was floated around that Australia will never play at home again. A couple of weekends ago, Australia played against Hungary. The reason they haven't played at home over the last couple of years, the competition was cancelled in 2020 due to COVID. And of course, with the home and away, as it was with the old format, if you play one country at home, the next time you face that country, you play away. So you alternate. During my career of playing playing days and, and in Davis Cup, we went through long periods without ever playing away. Heck, I would have loved to have played all of my Davis Cup finals at home, but I had to play all three finals away. That's just the way the draw you know, played out. Look, the Davis Cup uh, home and away format is still there in the first round. We, the ITF felt, to, and the Davis Cup committee and the board of the ITF felt that that was really important based on the feedback that we received from captains, from players, and from all of the associations that are involved in the competition. So obviously there's a, a bit of tinkering uh, being done, and we've seen the recent announcement of the, you know, the group stage and then the finals from the quarterfinals onwards split between September and, and November. So the, the two questions I have for you, mm-hmm. Davis Cup was like the Grand Slams, our pinnacle best of five. Yep. Why couldn't we have kept the best of five is a, is a question I've got for you. And how do we somehow replicate that parochial nature that you get if Australia did make the final dance, mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. and they're playing Argentina and at Rod Laver Arena, or at Ken Rosal or in a, which is going to be hard to replicate in a neutral venue, which I'm sure the ITF is talking about and tinkering and fine-tuning, and obviously there's some announcements still to come this year about where the host venues are going to be and ultimately where the Davis Cup finals are going to be. I suppose they're the two questions in my mind that make Davis Cup so unique, is that best of five and that unbelievable atmosphere that is so hard to replicate at other events. Start with the best of five format. The competition always is to remain, you know, the, the, the drive, the goal is to keep it relevant. It is to, to have it there so that the players will step in when their group tie is coming up. Again, that feedback that came directly from the ATP Player Council and from captains and from their associations did not want that best of five set format. Was it 100% unanimous? No. Again, it was put to a vote and it was voted. It was supported. 70 plus percent supported the change. They wanted to move away from the best of five set format. You have to think of the amount of times that are two nations that one through the competition. It was four times a year playing over a Friday, Saturday and Sunday 
format. It wasn't just that one week that was taken away from the players of competing on the ATP tour. For a lot of players, it actually meant that they had to have two weeks off the tour. There were some players that, because their captain asked them to arrive to prepare, also the week of the competition, and if they got to play, those physical and mental demands that are placed, the pressures that they face with, it also meant that they might not have been able to play the week after Davis Cup. So if you're taking three weeks off of the tour and then having to recover before you can get back onto the tour, if you had to do that four times a year, that's 12 weeks off the tour. Now again, we talked about the, the ATP tour prospering and financial security. It's not so bad for maybe the more of the marquee names on the tour, but again, it's not just an elite country like Australia or one of the other Grand Slam nations or, or, a, or a Germany or a, maybe a Team Canada. You've got to think about you know some of the lesser known countries, players that are ranked outside of 100. For them to take possibly eight weeks to 10 weeks, maybe 12 weeks off the tour, that the financial burden uh, increases. It's based on your honour of playing for your country. The Davis Cup doesn't offer ranking points, and that's something, a, a point of discussion that, that, that is ongoing with the ATP as well. Difficult choices. When the tour is also adding tournaments on, it's very difficult for those players, but the feedback was it'll be easier for us to commit to playing Davis Cup if it was reduced to best of three sets. We don't want to play as often. Of course, they also wanted the increase in prize money as well. So at the top level, we created a prize money pool for the players. And and the nations. In the past, that prize money went directly to the federations and they would disperse the money as they see fit. They wanted to keep some of that prize money to go into their programs. And so there were some players that actually the disparity compared to some of their fellow players from other countries was enormous. And so that's why the reform you know, had to take place. But one of those elements that the feedback was, we need to cut back on the best of five sets. It would entice the players to actually commit and not just lower ranked players, but more importantly, again, we need those marquee names to, to play for their country as well. The parochialness that, that is there. When Australia play at home, it, it was such a joy to go home. It didn't matter that the, the stadium that we played in, we pretty much knew that it was going to be, you know, almost close to capacity. Australians by nature, they love their team sport and, the, and they will come out and support Davis Cup. It always has been in the home in a way though, that when you played away, there were limitations to how many visitors could actually, you know, tickets could could be sold. I think it was around 10%. At the top of my head, my, the last match that I played, I think it was at a, at a 12,000 seat stadium in Barcelona. So only 1,200 tickets were there for Australians. They would get drowned out. They did their best. We had the fanatics turn up and it was, I mean, absolutely brilliant. Again, the, the, the storytelling of, you know, these students and supporters that would, would turn up, backpackers. As Australians, we do that so well. It was phenomenal, but they only had 10% of that crowd. So going into a neutral site now for the finals, that's uh, something that we have to work with, Cosmos, as the partners of on Davis Cup with the ITF, to try and entice the fanatics are still very welcome. They're there's no cap on how many tickets they can actually purchase. So we want to encourage Australians to come and support the Australian team, whether it's in September in one of the round robin groups. Of course, I'm hoping that they can progress, that wherever the final is played, that we can bring Australians. They're invited. We hope they're going to come.
Part one of my chat there with Mark Woodford will bring you part two after the break. A shout out for, of course, the return of our podcast uh, this month, uh, Play USA, which has uh, been launched over the weekend. You'll find that at our website, thefirstserve.com.au, as we go inside the college journey of many of our Aussies. Uh, Lachlan Peel, it's great to have him uh, hosting our new podcast, Play USA, so check that out. And when you subscribe to The First Serve, that'll come up as uh, part of our offering every uh, single month and also crunching the numbers is going to be coming back very shortly combining the art of uh, coaching data analysis with Mark Safoulis and Shane Leonage. If you've got a topic you'd like the guys to explore drop us a line at the first serve sen at gmail.com Aussies only and plenty more coming as well. You can go shopping at Tennis Direct Australia's favourite online tennis store fast delivery great prices free delivery on orders over $150 10% off using the code first serve one zero. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management. And glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to the first serve. Coming to you from Indian Wells Tennis Paradise here in the Californian Desert. Brent Phillips with you for another week. You can follow us on social media and our website, thefirstserve.com.au, for all the latest daily. Or part two of my chat with Australian tennis legend Mark Woodford, the current ITF board member, about the revamped Davis Cup. All thanks to Hume Tennis and Community Centre. It's a mini Melbourne park in Melbourne's north, which is tennis for everyone. Perfect also for coaches and players if you're coming from interstate to train and compete. Tim and the team will look after you beautifully. It's very close to Melbourne Airport with accommodation available. Find out more at humetennis.com.au the, the comparison, say cricket, football, over World Cup every four years. So fans get a chance, don't they, to actually plan, a bit like an Olympic Games as well. In three years' time, I'm going to go to that venue, I'm going to save my money, and we're going to go as a big group. When you're in that every year sort of format, the question of whether you can attract people to go far and wide, who, yes, would love to go and support their uh, their nation, does that loom as the biggest challenge right now? Because for Davis Cup to ultimately be the success in the new format, you clearly want a full stadium creating that atmosphere that is traditional with the Davis Cup. Yes, and and there will be ongoing tweaks to the competition. I don't think we ever said, be it the Davis Cup committee, the board, um, Cosmos, that we're going to hit a home run in the first edition of the new formatted Davis Cup. It is a behemoth of a competition. We've made some changes from last year to this year, as you said, splitting the the round-robin qualifying stage into September, week 37. It's always been a traditional Davis Cup week. Finals remain in the traditional Davis Cup final week, week 47. Nothing has changed in, in, in that respect. Yes, the goal is to try and entice. Round-robin groups are played in Europe. There is that ability that, you you know, a round-robin group stage could be played in Asia, could be played in Australia. A bidding process has already taken place. Davis Cup is global. We would like to see it remain global. And the players, again, and the federations turned around and voted for a neutral final. To play the finals in one week, it is over and done with, rather than trying to, you know, play it over four times in one year. I'm sure there is talk about, well, why didn't we do every couple of years? Why didn't we go to every four years? Those options were looked at. There, there was a long list of suggestions 
suggestions that, that still keep coming in to the ITF and to Cosmos. Try this, try that, but it's got to be viable. There are sponsorships that generate income as well, like any other tournament. You go out to the marketplace to try and generate that sponsorship deal so that the competition can remain viable for players today and for the spectators. Unfortunately, going to looking at it every four year, like a World Cup or an Olympic type of cycle, just wasn't possible at this stage. Might it be something in the future? We'll have to see, but at the moment, the format is how it is. It's, it's not that five-set format that I think Australians have enjoyed over time, but the competition has to remain relevant today. If you're asking me personally, I'd have the Davis Cup every year. I mean, I'm, I'm a traditionalist. I love the Davis Cup. So I ask you a bigger question. In my opinion, there are too many cups at the moment. This is a big talking point. We've got Davis Cup. We've got the ATP Cup, which I've been to the three editions. The first edition I thought was fantastic. COVID's interrupted the next two. We've got the Labor Cup. If I'm being honest, Mark, I can't buy into the Labor Cup and it's associated with an absolute legend of Australian tennis it feels very detached from Australia mm-hmm. and is unlikely to ever come to Australia so you talk about the scheduling before and the weeks clogging up and it's it's a packed calendar so you, in trying to retain the history of the Davis Cup then you add in the ATP Cup you add in the Labor Cup do you think that's taken away anything from the Davis Cup as well as as being the pinnacle team competition yeah it has it has impacted the calendar tremendously um, especially when you know talking about calendar scheduling issues for the players already, the Labor Cup. Uh, I mean, such a, a, an idol uh, that that's instantly recognised not just in Australia but around the world with Rod Laver, and obviously has the might with Roger Federer and his team behind it. Tennis Australia are an owner of the Laver Cup. They're also an owner of the ATP Cup. The comparisons between Davis Cup and ATP Cup they're, they're quite different. Ironically they share the format as the Davis Cup. It's a warm-up event for the Australian Open. It's based on the that they play for ranking points, based on the, the highest-ranked player in, in a country. And quite often you'll see those matches where the second or third player in the team don't even have a ranking, and yet they're playing at such a, a marquee event. It offers can offer some lopsided matches. But the attraction is you still have some of the the top names competing. But it is a warm-up event. It can't get any bigger because at the end of the pot of gold, at the end of the rainbow, is the Australian Open. So I don't see how the ATP Cup can actually grow because everyone is in Australia to play you know, get ready for the, for the Australian Open. Tennis Australia are, are involved in both of these events, and yet they're so passionate about the Davis Cup. It does really compress the the calendar and make it very challenging. Look, the Labor Cup is is for you know the biggest names in tennis, and they are offered huge amounts of money. If they didn't have that that financial ability to, to throw it at the marquee names, that event doesn't exist. The players are competing in the ATP Cup because it's ranking points. They have run a, a very similar format to the Davis Cup and it's just a real shame that the final event of the year is the Davis Cup and the first event of the year is the ATP Cup and you know, both are team events but it is also an unofficial event, the ATP Cup. 
They're not officially picked by their national association. They're hand-selected by the ATP. So there are some very uh, stark differences there between both events. So what do you think the solution is there? Or does, does a solution need to be created to have some separation between the two or a bigger point of difference or bringing it all together or we just leave it as it is, let the ATP Cup evolve and see where it gets to. The Davis Cup is not going away. Yes, there's a change of format and a different look, but this is the oldest team competition. It's been around 122 years and and set to go many, many more. So, I mean, (laughs) we talk about the interesting governance structure of tennis, seven bodies trying to collaborate for the better of the game. I'd love to be a fly on the wall in a lot of these discussions, but it seems like something may have to give, but to, to what level? The ATP and ITF uh, uh, have undergone you know, discussions uh, about the merging of the two competitions. And those talks are, are ongoing. As you, as you say, the, the, the T7, um, the four slams, ATP, WTA, the ITF have over the last year and a half in deep, extensive talks about tennis evolving, not just the team competitions, but about independent events. In principle, as I understand, there is an agreement that the Davis Cup is the premier team event, that it should be played as the final event in the season. So that means all four Grand Slams have agreed in principle, along with the other three ATP WTA and the ITF. You know, last November when the finals were taking place in Turin, Innsbruck, and then ultimately in Madrid, there was almost a daily media release coming out of uh, Australia in a, in a negative theme towards the, the, the Davis Cup, um, which was really unfortunate. The draw to the ATP Cup was planned to actually take place whilst the Davis Cup finals were being played. It doesn't need to be that way. It's so unnecessary. Why take away the focus of you know the team event that, that was being held at the time? And, and thankfully, it was pushed back once the ITF asked you know to explore some other dates. It, it just you know I'm not sure why you know is so vocal about the way Davis Cup is being played when potentially in in principle there is an agreement that it should be the only team event. So those those discussions are you know will continue to take place and what will help the ATP, what will help Tennis Australia, what will help the ITF and and the other bodies as well. When you came to Australia in January. You're a legend of Australian tennis, but you're now involved in in the bigger picture globally of the sport. You live abroad, but you love coming back home. You've got a great affiliation with all the legends of Australian tennis across many different eras, not only those that you played with, but was that an uncomfortable period when I suppose there's some agitation, there's some angst amongst those that you played with, those you've associated with in Australian tennis? Does it stretch right across, or are there those who understand the change, who were traditionalists who played Davis Cup at the level that you did? Where, where does that sit from a totality point of view, from an Australian angle? I will always keep coming back home. You know, look, I fell in love with an American woman over here, um, and, you know, I, I settled over here. Um, doesn't mean to say that my my passion, you know, I'm still Australian. Can hear from my accent. I have. <laughs> um, I come home as often as as I can, and of course, I have that that passion to to see the competition remain something that was dear to me. I would like it to be dear 
to the next generation of, of players uh, in Australia. The last couple of visits haven't been you know, overly pleasant. I, I have felt the, the ripple effect out that because I'm you know, working with the ITF on the competition, it has been frustrating. I, I feel it's unnecessary as my duty as, as a committee member and a board member. The feeling and the, uh, the voices of some of my colleagues, of my compatriots that I played with, whether they were before me during my time or even today's generation, their thoughts and, and their voice have always been taken back. That's, that's my duty to actually you know, take that on board and present it to the people who are making the decisions. I'm, I'm one of those that are involved in some of the decisions, but the idea that I have maybe twisted it around to try and suit um, the outcome is, is rubbish. I think the misinformation that you know, no information has been provided for the team today is totally incorrect. I mean, when, when there are meetings and dinners and get-togethers, Tennis Australia and the Australian leadership have been invited. If they don't turn up or aren't willing to participate, that's of, of their own volition. We can't force anyone to, to participate, but you know, their feedback is valuable. We are always uh, willing to take on board that feedback, good or bad. Like I said, there's been these slow, minimal changes over the last couple of years because that's what it will take. I mean, it's not going to get it done in one almighty change. So, But it's, it's all trying to present a Davis Cup that will bring in today's players so that they can participate for that fantastic trophy. So it has been difficult and I think there are Australian players of past generations that are fully aware of the Davis Cup and have been consulted and admitted that the Davis Cup needed changes. There are players of today that are happy with those changes and approve those changes. I know that there are a majority of Australian voices that aren't on board, but I can only wish that they would come and see firsthand and get a taste of what the Davis Cup experience is now with this new format. At this stage, it's only our our current Davis Cup captain, Leighton Hewitt, that actually is there to see it. And I, I know that he has been a, a little vocal a, against it, but you know, over time, and, and we certainly invite you know everyone that maybe has some reservations about the current format at least come and try it it's you know to make judgments and comments from afar come and taste it and then maybe you might be better prepared to actually have a voice then yeah i think sport life evolves nothing stays the same forever i mean as we're just been sitting here chatting i can probably accept best of five becomes best of three for the long term i think the ultimate test will be to try and get that crowd replication which may take some time because that is that is the pinnacle of davis cup as well just that full house making a noise in tennis that you don't hear anywhere else and that'll be the ultimate test trying to go to these neutral venues but i'm going to get there a little bit later in the year that's the aim to as you say sample it in person to to give a better account from my own point of view but hey great to chat it's good to get the ITF's view on this to just to balance everything up. There is a why of to you know those those changes that were um, brought in. It wasn't just something that you know the ITF off the top of their head decided. Oh, okay, it's it's time for a change. The way the setup is, they have to consult the, the you know those nations that belong to the ITF, which Tennis Australia is a part of, and there is always the consultation with players so it doesn't just fall under the ITF the the committee or the board or Cosmos who are in partnership but the federations themselves spoke loudly fully aware that Tennis Australia did not vote for that 
but that's okay. You know, I just hope over time that Australia still get in there and compete hard and show our colours and hopefully we'll loft that trophy. I tasted it once. Misery of losing twice in the finals and it only burnt even stronger to actually get to that opportunity of, of holding that trophy. And, you know, I, I think we're in with a, a great chance. We've got a, a really deep team. You know, there are some countries that don't have the depth that, that, that we do. So there are some variations to our, our team setup. Look, you, you know, you've got this great experienced champion uh, who is our Davis Cup captain right now, who, you know, hopefully will, will keep supporting Davis Cup and, uh, you know, maybe make that difference to our guys getting over the finishing line. Mark Woodford, the Davis Cup, it's certainly a hot topic. You can weigh in at the first serve, sen at gmail.com. We got the ITF perspective. We've had plenty to say about the Davis Cup. If you want to expand that conversation, drop me an email, the first serve, sen at gmail.com. All thanks to Yarra Tennis Coaching at Eaglemont Tennis Club, just off the Eastern Freeway. Junior and adult programs available. Shane Scrutton with over 30 years coaching experience, whose mission is simply to improve your game. So whether you're a complete beginner or a serious player, go and spend some time with Shane at Yarra Tennis. Check them out, yarratennis.com.au. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. At glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Coming to you from India Wells this week, home of the BMP Paribas Open. Brett Phillips with you. And throughout the year, of course, Tennis Australia have staff on the ground supporting our Aussie players who, of course, as we know, spend so much of the year on the road. Paul Kildare is uh, Head of Performance Athlete Relations at TA. We sat down for a chat here in Tennis Paradise. All thanks to Yonex, 76 years of performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at Yonex. Two and a half years since we've been able to get out overseas and watch the players compete. I've never watched more tennis in my life than this week, but it's been great to see the players, you know, get around them, see how they're going, see where they're at. You know, some players are really independent and they've got a great team around them and don't need much support and other players really look for support and I think it's always nice to be out there watching their matches and watching them compete and supporting them which we haven't been able to do much other than over the summer so it's been uh, great to be here. The tour it's it's really tough you know it's a global sport it's expensive to start and I often think like you look in Australia and if you're a coach at a club you know you've got to pay your mortgage. Homes are very expensive in Australia. You need to put food on the table you know if you've got to feed your family and you look at you know other countries around the world you can probably buy a home for couple of hundred grand and there's always work to do and can always do better but I think a lot of good steps have been made over the last couple of years. You know you look at the pathway now and it's it's open to so many more kids and trying to give more kids an opportunity you know a few years back we sort of had 50 kids in Australia who were sort of getting and now we're trying to open the doors more and embrace more people you know like even provide more opportunities for private coaches around Australia to be involved in and feel like you know we're really it's Australian tennis and you know and it's you know, there's there's always challenges and everything, but that's that's certainly where I come at everything from. I think the more we can get those private coaches' experiences globally with teams or however that that works, they're only going to become home and be a better coach. And 
the other 300 kids they're coaching at home are going to benefit from their experience. So the more we can do that, I think it's just better for us around tennis. How do we measure performance? We discuss this quite a bit on our show. You know, what is what is a successful career? If you can be inside that top 100 for a fair duration and you win more matches than you lose and making a profit and covering your expenses, then that, that is a, a pretty good career because not everyone's going to reach the absolute top echelon. It is so hard. But internally, what's the discussions you have around measuring performance and success? Yeah, well, it's a good question because it's quite topical. You know, some you, you can look at Ash Barty, number one in the world. You know, she's just been amazing for the, you know, for the first time ever. My son and all his mates go to school with a tennis racket now. And I think it was really off the back of this AO. I've seen it and, as you know, anecdotes from across the country are saying it's really serious. Tennis is really, you know, there's a lot of uh, interest in the sport now. Um, measuring success is, you know, you, you could ask someone I work with and some people have, you know, different opinion. Like I remember in 1994 we probably had 12 or 13 guys in the top 100 and Lipton came out with a thing, if you get to top 10 you get a million dollars. Or I think if you have a great system you'll get those big numbers into the top 100. You know, personally I don't know how different you train someone to be a hundred in the world or number one you know you have a, a girl like Ash Barty who's just got an enormous ability and that will come through you know there's probably a lot smarter people out there than me that maybe do know how to do that but you know if we can get big numbers in the top hundred and players who are entering the at the top hundred you know at 23 years age and can sustain a career for 10 years I think that's really successful so big numbers you know and I think when you've got big numbers in the top 100 they're just going to push each other a bit harder and and the real the absolute cream will rise to the top great to catch up with the killer dockers man through and through as well you'll be hoping they step up a notch in 2022 check out our website thefirstserve.com.au our social channels facebook twitter instagram you'll get your daily tennis fix you can subscribe to our youtube channel as well Another week coming up here in the desert, so we'll uh, check back in from Indian Wells next week on the show. All thanks to Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Go shopping right throughout the week. Their website, tennisdirect.com.au. You can use the code FIRSTSERVE10. You get a nice little discount there if you're wherever you are around Australia. Free delivery on orders over $150 as well. Hit them well if you're out playing this week, and we'll talk to you next Monday here from Indian Wells. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.